Amen, amen. It's good to be with you guys this morning. You can grab a seat and uh, get a copy of God's Word in your hands. Um, thanks for being in church today. And, uh, you know, I want to, I, I was thinking uh, this week as we, uh, as we walk through this, this series, Take Aim, as we talk about what it means to draw near to Christ, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is just the importance of uh, fighting for consistency, and, um, and I want to encourage you to fight for consistency in attending church as one piece of what God wants to do in your life. And, um, and I don't want you to do that because we're trying to meet some attendance goals. We don't have attendance goals at Christ Church. We're just trying to be faithful to what God's Word uh, teaches us. And, um, but the reason why I want you to fight for consistency is because when I think about the way that God has formed my life over time and when I... I see in my life and in other people's lives the goodness of, of God's work in them and through them. I realize that consistency is what forms you. And, and, and weekly in church, daily with Jesus, and in your friendships, in your relationships, in your parenting, we need rhythms and healthy rhythms. And so I, 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 be, the reason why we need to be consistent is because God's not just wanting us to sort of like kind of just experience or, or reach out to him just sort of haphazardly or randomly because that's not what's going to produce transformation. And if you want your life to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, what, what, what God wants to form, he uses these consistent rhythms to form our lives. And so uh, attending church, being around God's people, being reminded of the things of Christ and worshiping him and proclaiming that is such a key part of that. And so um, because one of the ways that, that we've been talking about in the series of being transformed is when you draw near to Christ. And if you haven't been here the past few weeks, the first week we talked about how a drawing near starts with an engagement of your faith. It starts with the decision to take hold of what uh, Jesus Christ, how he's revealed himself to us and be like, that's the savior that I'm following and those are the decisions that I'm making. And then last week we talked about how faith is, um, part of, of faith is taking hold of Christ's sacrifice and, and realizing that his sacrifice is what allows me to draw near to God, and today we're going to be looking at another critical facet of what happens when we draw near. Like, what's the nature of what that looks like? What what actions occur in the presence of God that that cause us to experience the nearness of God, where God can begin to change and shape us? And so, when you draw near to God, you can write these two words down. You you want to come to receive and to respond. Two simple words, but critical in the reality of encountering God. And receive is to, is to receive what he's given us. And I think about his word immediately and listening to what he said and applying it to our lives and then responding in prayer and worship. Here's the good news of the gospel is, is that God is always available, church. Like, that's an amen right there. God's always available. He's ready to meet with you. He's never out for lunch, and you never get his voicemail. Okay, like those two things are outside of his nature. And, and, and so, there's some, but there are some actions that are needed to uh, draw near to be transformed. And so, turn, if you're not already there, to uh, Psalms, the book of Psalms. And I had to go here um, in this series because... 
The book of Psalms is like an entire book full of people drawing near to God. And the testimony of the, the, the things that they were praying and then singing to God out of this are just a, a declaration again and again of what it means to draw near to God and what that looks like. God's truth and it's meeting the reality of our lives. It's beautiful. And, uh, and so in, throughout the Psalms you see that from, from the deepest, darkest grief to the highest praise and everything in between, the Psalms show the emotional range of God's people in worship and in prayer and with God's truth being woven into all of that. I often find myself in the Psalms, honestly, particularly when I'm walking through a difficult season because the Psalms give voice to all of the sort of emotions that we wrestle with in this life. So for today, we're going to look at Psalm 145 and what I want to do is I want to model for you something, and I'm going to do it just in the first eight verses, and then we're going to, we're going to drill down on verse 18 that I'm going to call our attention to. But I want to do something in the first eight verses. I want to prayerfully and devotionally read through these verses. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this as we think about what is happening when we engage God and draw near to him. And I'm going to give us an opportunity to do that with Psalm 145 at the end. But just process through with me. I'm going to read this for us. I'm going to read it uh, uh, devotionally for a people that are gathered here today wanting to meet with God. Follow along with me. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. God, would you let our understanding of you become something that we repeat again and again. Would we long to bless you and to praise your name. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. God, let us recognize your greatness and realize that it's unsearchable. There's never an end to what we can observe about your greatness. And God, would you let an older generation in this body commend your works, proclaim your works to a younger generation. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. God, would we meditate in our hearts on your truth, on your majesty and your works and your awesome deeds and your greatness and your abundant goodness. And would it be something that we proclaim with our lips and sing aloud all the days of our life. And finally, verse eight, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And God, I know that there are some people who need to sit in the truth of verse eight and let it minister to their hearts, that they would see your character in it and your mercy and your grace and your love for them. Thank you, God, for your word. I want us to um, slow our pace when we read God's word. And I'm gonna give us time and space, and I hope that's left you wanting to do that with the word for yourself, and we're gonna have a time for that at the end. 
But I want you to turn and I want you to look at verse 18. Because after he walks through this proclamation of who God is, verse 18 reveals something incredibly important. The psalmist writes, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. This is the verse that we're going we're gonna to mine today and we're going to process through because it teaches us about the nearness of God and what it means to draw near. Notice the condition. The Lord is near, so the Lord is near. This, this idea is a reality of, of who God is in His um, presence with us. And, and notice the condition. It says, what does it mean for the Lord to be near? First, He is near to all who call on Him. To all, and the psalmist repeats it, to all who call on him in truth. Now, now first, here's the reality. God is near to everyone all the time because he's omnipresent. He could be everywhere at once because of the fact that he sits outside of time and space. Hard for us to grasp that, but it's a reality of how he's revealed himself. But that idea of nearness, the omnipresence of God, is not what's being talked about here. It's not what's being communicated here. I want you to get a picture of this. There's two different kinds of near. There's the near like I'm I'm near, God is present, omnipresent, but there's also a near that reflects his imminent presence that you're literally taking hold of God. We can understand this in relationships. Kelly, come on up. I didn't preview this, but you're coming up. You're in the sermon. A beard like that can always end up in a sermon. Okay. So, so Kelly and I are friends. We've been in community group before together and, and for a long season. And so there's a reality, uh, Kelly, that, that we can understand and illustrate here. This could happen with your wife. This could happen in our friendship. We can be near in the sense that we're both just kind of doing our thing, but we're in the same space with one another. And this is the idea of God always being near to us. Imminent nearness, what's being talked about in this passage, is like face-to-face, like we're having an interaction. Like, we're building a relationship with one another, and we're, like, sitting in that, and I'm learning about who you are, and I know some things about your heart and your, your marriage and your family and your testimony, and there's a reality of that that was gained here. It wasn't gained here. And then to think about in relationships today, oftentimes we're like, well, I, you know, I'm in the same house with, with a family member, and, but I just sort of, like, I'm, I'm near to them all the time. Like, what more do you want from me? And I'm like, you know, and... And there's this idea of nearness, and there's this idea of nearness. Thank you. And um, give Kelly a hand, guys. Come on. And so my question to you is, are you drawing near to God? Not a nearness that just acknowledges that God's present, although he is, but a nearness that's turning to him and giving him your attention and considering who he is and what he wants to speak to you. Notice that the, it says the Lord is near and then the condition to all who call on him. But that wasn't enough. The psalmist continued. He said to all who call on him in truth. So there's a reality of being near to God, of taking hold of his imminent presence and desire to meet with you and Because the Lord is near, I'm calling on him and I'm calling on him in truth. 
To draw near, you have to call on him in prayer guided by truth. You have to recognize who he is and express that to him in relationship with him. And so the big move this morning is this. As we sort of build the foundation of what it means to draw near to Christ, draw near to God in prayer guided by truth. By truth. So there's, there's, there's two pieces to this. There's prayer, which is communication to God. It's me talking to God with a sense and an acknowledgement that he's near, that he's not far. And then within the context of truth, I'm calling on him in truth. Truth, you can write it down in your notes, has two components. Revealed will, realized will. Revealed will is God's word. It's what's been given to us. I can read the words of Scripture and and, and know that the Scripture testifies to the fact that it was breathed out by God and I have confidence in that. And so I look at God's truth and I go, man, this psalmist was talking some, speaking some things about God, but these things are true because they're in God's word. And so then, in addition to the revealed will of God, there's the realized will of God that is also truth. There's some truth true realities about my life right now that have been realized. I've entered into, I've walked in. Um, the fact that I'm a pastor has some level of responsibility. It's a realized will of God. I'm a husband and a father and a friend. I have a responsibility that God's given me and an opportunity to preach God's word that is my realized will that causes me to pray and call on God in truth in the reality of what God's called me to do in his word and in the reality of it actually happening, the realized will of God. And both of those are true. And what I love about that is that when, when it says draw near to God, when I say in, to draw near to God in prayer guided by truth, it's that I'm bringing the fullness of his revealed will and his realized will into prayer with God. And I, I say it that way because I want you to see that God is wanting us to increase in our rhythm of drawing near to God a level of authenticity, both with revealed will as I understand more about who God is and realized will as I become more authentic of bringing my whole life to God. And there's beauty and there's power in that. And so there's two actions that lead us to draw near to God in prayer guided by truth. First one is this. Seek frequency and intimacy. Now I'm going to get really practical because the reality of what God says in verse 18 is relatively simple at face value. But when we start to mine down, there's a number of challenges to it. And so I want to make sure I'm clear in these things so that we can run in the direction that God wants for us and find the delight of meeting with God and drawing near. So first, seek frequency and intimacy. Frequency and intimacy. I, this, this requires um, an attentiveness to God's nearness. Notice that if I, was just, if I was just in the same space as Kelly, we wouldn't have a relationship of any sort of depth. But we do. Kelly knows some things about me. I know some things about Kelly. I know Kelly knows some weaknesses in my life. I know some weaknesses in his life. We know each other's strengths. We know each other's family over time. But that's because we, we made these purposeful turns towards one another. And literally, the change can just happen just simply like this. 
with God. Some of us are around God, we're near to God in the sense that he's omnipresent. We could talk about a lot of things about God, but that little pivot, that little move needs to happen with frequency and with intimacy. If you think about any relationship, any relationship has these like, these moments of, of sort of like frequent connection points for, for just, to, just to kind of stay updated and to maintain the relationship. And then in relationships that are growing, there's not just frequent connections, but there's also intimate planned times of intimacy where depth is built in the relationship. There is both a light engagement and longer times building strength and depth to the relationship. So frequency first. Now frequency, when I talk about frequency, I'm not talking about like a shallow frequency. I'm not talking about something that's just like only serves to sort of check off a box or fulfill an obligation. I'm not talking about frequency that's just with a cold heart or a distracted mind. I'm talking about a frequency that stirs up your heart with longing. Like with, if, if, if I have frequency in a relationship with my wife or with my kids, there might be multiple times throughout the day or the week of connecting with them, but there's always a longing to be with them and to have time and space to build and establish that relationship and continue to deepen it. See, when we engage the Lord in frequency, what it should do is it should sort of give us a taste and a reminder of God's with me and would draw my heart then to longer times of intimacy with him. It's a posture of dependence before God. So frequency, then intimacy. Intimacy is to give times to process carefully. I am, I'm massively concerned in our culture, in the way it impacts my life and your life, that we are losing the ability to go deep with people. Superficial communication happens so quick. Depth of communication. Having communication even face-to-face with people where we have to deal with all of the levels of like insecurity and communication back and forth is, is seeping out of our society. Depth with the Lord then can feel superficial and an obligation or just religious. It can just become routine But God wants to draw us to something deeper. We need time to process carefully through God's word and let God's word process our hearts. We've got to give it time to to honestly and authentically like work past the surface to get to the places where our heart like, where we're dealing with longings that sometimes we can't even identify are actually impacting our mood and our posture towards other people in our lives. Places where healing is needed, places where disappointment has struck our hearts and lives. And only when we find these more intimate times with the Lord can we really let his truth slowly and deeply saturate our hearts. And to work through even, even, even the reality of sin and the way that it, it occurs in our lives to, to work through like careful, deep, repentant confession. To cheapen that is to, is to actually cheat our soul in what God wants to do. 
So we, we have to take time to, to, to sit and to, and, and, and to listen to God's spirit to reveal and encourage and convict and lead through the work of his word. And this takes time. And I ask you this question, like, honestly, do, 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 we, do we long for this and want this to a degree that we ask the question in, in deep, real ways, when is this going to happen? How, how am I going to move by faith to have a posture of dependence and a plan for longer times, frequency and intimacy? The reason why this is such a concern to me pastorally and personally is because our culture is doing everything to resist us, like I've already alluded to. Today's culture is working to promote a posture of independence, of, it wants to steal your time at every point and your focus and lead you to focus on self. And, and what it does is it ends up keeping you not just from strong relationships with God, but strong relationships with anyone. It's why the, the generation right now and the culture, many are saying, is the loneliest generation in human history. And recently, I was listening to a podcast by a, 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 a Christian thinker that I would just, everything I've heard him say and write has been so deeply encouraging and challenging to me. His name's Mark Sayers. He's a pastor in Australia. And on a podcast, he was discussing how the culture is impacting discipleship. And he just had this perspective that was really helpful to me that I, my heart in sharing it is that you would be aware of what is competing against what God is wanting to do in your life and that we'd see it clearly. He said this, he said, people used to be guided by sort of rules and laws and commandments, and there, there are people here old enough to have, have literally been brought up and raised in that culture, different than the culture that the younger generation is being raised in now. And in that culture, it was a culture of should. It was all the things that you should do. And, and many times there was biblical authority still playing out into that should culture. And what it established is it established these sort of normative expectations, often influenced, not all the time, but often influenced by biblical truth, uh, that, that, that impacted our perspective on family, marriage, gender, sexuality, and a host of other issues. And Mark Sayers says that's not the case anymore. Like, like, it's not a should culture anymore. And like it or not, it's a could culture. That's the new culture. See, we're not pressed anymore to conform to the, the sort of commands and authority. And very rarely do people find themselves in context like this where there is even any authority at all being spoken over people's lives. Instead, we are seduced by the opportunity of could at a scale Never before in human history. Like, you're given the opportunity for, for everything you can have at a mass scale. Even some of the things that used to happen in sort of like dark corners are now right on your phone, easily accessible. Things like gambling or pornography or entertainment, full and plentiful. You don't have to wait for any show anymore. You just have to wait for a show. Now it just comes to you in mass. Credit cards, debt, all that sort of stuff, endless options to chase after could. And that is having a huge impact on discipleship. Because, because a culture of could 
along the highway of discipleship where God wants to form us in the steadiness of traveling towards God's best and drawing near to God in the highway of discipleship in a culture of could, there's so many signs like this one. This sign right here is what sits along the highway of discipleship where God forms his people. And, 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 and literally, it's not, it's not like it's like there's an exit sign, there's an off-ramp like every like five or ten miles like you're driving you know, across Iowa and you're like, I better take the off-ramp to get some gas or I'm never going to have a chance. This is literally like in the highway of discipleship in our culture, the off-ramps are like every hundred yards. Off-ramp, 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 off-ramp. And the smartest minds in the world are working behind the scenes to lead you, distract you, and give you opportunities to experience something. See, we're, we're not led astray anymore by, uh, by, by the oppressive authority figure demanding your obedience. Instead, now, we're seduced by the friendly person with the big yes you can sign standing in front of the off-ramp. Come on, come on, come on. You can experience it right now. You can experience this level of pleasure, this joy, this experience right now. And they're smiling. They're not like, come, I want to oppress you. They're just like, sweet, come join us. Yes, you can. See, you see, no one's telling you that you can't follow Christianity in our culture. Persecution is not coming that way anymore. The primary scheme of the enemy today is seduction. Take the off-ramp. Take the off-ramp. And what you're told is, subtly, the enemy scheme is that you're told that you can follow Jesus and have everything that you want. And, and you can't reconcile that with the fact that Jesus was like, hey, if you're going to follow me, like you're going to have to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And so this is the reality that the Primary scheme of the enemy is seduction, and the culture of seduction is the greatest enemy of your soul. The culture of seduction is the greatest enemy of your soul, and it is bankrupting us, morally, relationally, socially, financially, all of it. It's, it's, it's why many people are saying that this culture might be, require the, the most restraint to move to a place of transformation. And that's what I want for you so badly. That's what I want more and more in my life. And so what I'm asking and what I'm challenging you to consider is to make some radical moves. And listen, I don't know your story or your situation. I don't know the off-ramps that that tempt you. I know what they are in my life. And my question to you is how far are you willing to go to say, I'm going to stay on the highway of discipleship. I'm going to stay on the road that God's called me to. What is it going to require? What sort of audit of your life is it going to require so that you can find time to devote to frequency and intimacy with God? 
I want to challenge you to launch a revolution in your family, in your friend group, in your community group, to set an example in the way that you might go and move to restructure your schedule and your priorities, cut off access to distractions, create space not filled with activity and consumption on this never-ending pursuit of off-ramp. I'm hoping it will fulfill me. And then being like, not, I'm going back to the highway discipleship. Back off the off-ramp. And this constant rhythm that's so unhealthy to our lives. Two goals in this is frequency, a posture of dependence, and intimacy, a plan for longer times. That they're scheduled, that they would have the level of importance and priority that it would if you were, if you have a college final coming up or a date night with your spouse or a kid's event on the calendar. Because I promise you that in our culture today, it's going to require a greater commitment than ever before. And I don't know any way, church, except to continue to be faithful and diligent in in this idea of frequency and intimacy. Refuse the on-ramp, stay on the highway of gospel transformation. And then this... After seeking frequency and intimacy, draw near to God in prayer, guided by truth. Second, transform truth into prayers to God. We gotta root our communication with God in truth. And let me just practically encourage us that as I thought about what has led to the work of transformation in my life, here is the question I asked. I asked, was it these like, was it, was it like a conference I went to where there was like thousands of people and I've been at those, I've been at men's conferences, I've been at, you know, big student ministry conferences and college conferences, I've been to all of them. And, and, and was it that, was it that that formed my life? And I'm like, no, those were catalysts for things that God wanted to do. And I was like, well, was it, is it, is it is just time in church? Was It's the rhythm of that. And I'm like, no, that protected me and helped me remember some things and kind of hemmed me in when I was kind of, my heart was maybe wandering or growing cold. But the thing that was most transformative in my life has more consistently than anything else has been praying according to the truth of God's word in light of my life. It's coming to scripture and and praying according to the truth of God's revealed will that seeing God's word and realizing that's for me and praying that, processing through that with God in relationship, in nearness and learning through places like the Psalms and other places to bring authentically my entire realized will to God and to the throne of God. Again and again and again, day by day with frequency and intimacy. The best practice I know is praying scripture. Trance, and what it does, what it did for me, if, if you saw the beginning of my, um, the journals that I had at the, at the beginning of my walk with Jesus, you would just find in them, like, this young believer who all I knew to do was just like, like, take the reference of what I was reading write that at the top, and then I just, I wrote out prayers to God of, God, I, I help your love be realized and taken hold of, and 
Let it begin to transform my heart and life and help me understand how to love people more deeply and like you. And I just started to express that to God. You know what it did? It gave me tremendous confidence in my relationship with God. It gave me an ability. It gave me, the, the scriptures gave me language to communicate to God. It gave me confidence because I realized I'm actually, I'm, I know what I'm praying God wants because I'm praying scripture, his heart for me. And so it became more authentic over time and the formational years of my faith were spent and continued to have the nature of them just to begin to pray to God, guided by the truth of God, the revealed will of God and the realized will of God. And that's why if you, if you want to know some of the times I connect with God the best, sometimes it's just with the word, sometimes I'm listening to a worship song and God just takes me, grabs hold of my heart in it and I'm bringing my life to it. I'm not just like, oh, that's a really cool tune. It's more than that because I'm recognizing God's nearness in that. And it's reflective of my constant need for God and it, and it, and it just continues to stir up my longing for him. And there are times when, when meeting with God in this way, there are times it's, it's kind of stale. And I'm just, I'm saying things to God that I know are true, but my heart is wrestling. Anybody had some times like that this past week? Yeah, we all walk through seasons like that. Some, sometimes it's brief, and, and in my time with God, I, I just, I read something and I'm like, God, I, I feel so weighed down by the burdens of today, will you just, will you just lead me in that truth? And then sometimes it's so deep and rich. Sometimes I'm, I'm walking through a season that's just painful and hard and it's taking everything within me just to meet with God. And then sometimes it's just so easy and joy-filled. But I'm not chasing a crazy, sort of amazing experience with God every time. I'm just wanting to be faithful. I'm just wanting to stay on the road of gospel transformation and not take the off-ramps that present themselves to me as much as they present themselves to you. In my relationship with God and others who I know who have walked with God for a lifetime and gone deeper and deeper and deeper have always had a relationship with God that was built through a commitment to call on God in truth over time. To call on God in truth over time. So, let me, just, let me just try to give you a bit of simplicity in a world that loves to make everything more complex than it needs to be. Just simplify your drawing near. You might need to reduce the off-ramp sometimes by just opening up your Bible and having a piece of paper and a pen. And in that, to bring your life to the scriptures, to read the scriptures and begin to work through it carefully to write down what grabs hold of your focus and your heart as you bring your life to it and begin to speak to God and begin to see that he's near and through his word you've seen some things about his heart and you can begin to commune with him. Now it's not always going to be this powerful Holy Spirit revival moment. Most of the times it will require a diligence and a sense of work to try to pull, resist the pull of the culture to take the off-ramp. And that's not different than any other relationship that's good in your life. You know, one of the things I love is I love the testimony of, sa of the saints and what they teach us. And uh, this week, I received a devotional from Dave Harvey, the president of GCC, our association of churches. And, 
in this idea that um, sometimes you, you don't have these like deep experiences of God, here's what, here's what I want you to know. If you are diligent down the highway of gospel transformation, there will be moments if you're if you're, if you're honestly seeking God's word and, and considering this in the presence of God and bringing your life to that, there will be moments when God will grab hold of your heart and reveal himself in a way. And some of these times can be even, I've had times over the years that they've happened in frequency. And then there's seasons of time when I feel like every time I go to God's word, it's rich and deep. And one of the testimonies we have that I read this week was the testimony of Blaise Pascal. If anyone um, remembers him, it might be from math class before you think about hearing about Pascal in the context of a sermon, but um, Pascal was a famous mathematician, a physicist, and he had a dramatic Christian conversion experience that really transformed his life, and he started writing about that. And one of the things that people noted about Pascal is how just sort of like reasonable and rational and just sort of like, mm, he was about everything. Just kind of pragmatic and he had just had this faith with God but wasn't prone to these like, you know, expressions of, of great experience that he was trying to gain from God. But when he died, somebody noticed that um, this was sewn into the inside of his coat. This, a note he had sewn it into the inside of his coat, and this was a moment that had defined his life. And I want to encourage you to continue to seek God with great passion because there can be a moment that you cannot predict. There can be multiple moments where God is going to reveal himself to you in an unbelievable way. And it's not a guaranteed thing every time, but it can be an awesome, transforming moment at any point. And, and what was on that note was this. This is a picture of what can happen when you draw near to call on God in truth. It's what happens as a fruit of faithfulness and diligence. Here's what he wrote. The year of grace, November 23rd, 1654. From about half past 10 at night until about half past midnight, the time of intimacy. Fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of J Jacob, not of the philosophers and of the learned. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ. My God and your God, your God will be my God. Forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. He is only found by the ways taught in the gospel. Grandeur of the human soul. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. Joy, joy, joy. Tears of joy. I have departed from him. They have forsaken me, the fount of living water. My God, will you leave me? Let me not be separated from him forever. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and the one that you sent, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I left him, I fled him, renounced, crucified. Let me never be separated from him. He is only kept securely by the ways taught in the gospel. Renunciation, total and sweet, complete submission to Jesus Christ and to my director. Eternally enjoy for a day's exercise on the earth. May I not forget your words. Amen. Here's this man 
constant and reasonable depth in his intelligence who met with the living God. This moment with God so rare, even in his own journey of Christian transformation, that he wrote it down and sewed it into his coat that he would wear for the rest of his life. Moments like that aren't guaranteed every time we engage God or enter in to worship him. But if we start to creating a pattern in our lives of drawing near to God in prayer, guided by truth, they will come with more frequency. And there will be moments in our lives when the nature and the direction of our life is, is guided by the work of God in the power of his spirit through his truth being proclaimed to him as we draw near. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to take that sheet of paper that you got out as you came in this morning that has Psalm 145 on it. And what I did at the beginning on behalf of the church, I want you to do now on behalf of your own life. Let us not just consider these things and not have an opportunity to practice them. And So whether it's just your Bible opened and you're just praying or if you want to start writing down some prayers to the Lord on that sheet of paper, I want you to walk through Psalm 145 and you might only get in a few verses and be like, that's what I need to process with God right now. And I want to give you space and time to do it. Or you might have to go on and consider another passage, but just walk through Psalm 145 and just begin to pray. Begin to write down your prayers if that would help you focus. Let's take some time to do that right now. Let's take this time to enter in and to draw near to call on God in truth. And then I'll close this in prayer in a few minutes.
Father, I pray that, I pray over these people in this moment that, that this expression of faith and wanting to meet with you and draw near to you would just be a taste. I pray for some, God, that just even the few moments here in this service would, would not be the end, but would be the beginning of time set aside to pursue you. Because we're going to continue to face the signs and the off-ramps. And I pray, God, that in these moments that there would be such a joy and a delight in seeking you that that would be the motivation to say no to the off-ramps, that that would be the motivation to clear our schedule, that that would be the motivation to cause us to want to draw near more regularly and more deeply and more consistently. Because I know, God, that these moments will begin to expand and, and it'll never be enough time to spend with you and we'll start longing for more. It'll create in us a desire for you to be present in every moment of our day and then that will create a desire that will only be satisfied in eternity. Pray we'd live in that reality as we walk down the highway of gospel transformation. Together, I pray we'd encourage one another in that to seek frequency and intimacy, to transform truth into prayers to God, and that we draw near to you in prayer guided by truth. God, just the, just the one verse that you laid on my heart was enough for me, just the, just the phrase of, of, of you, the revelation of who you are, that you were slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God, I could stay there for the rest of the day letting that soak over places where I need to know your grace and I need to know that you have me and that you love me and that your plans are good. So God, I don't know what it is for others, but I trust you to reveal it and I pray that through this message that we know how to walk in it. Thank you, God, for this time this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.